Hello, our goslings. You've made it. Here you are. This is it. This is the season finale of The Smug Buds. With me, your host, Elizabeth Deanna Morris Lakes, and my beloved pod wife, Will. Hi, Will. How are you? Hi, Liz. I'm I'm fine. How are you? I am okay. Uh Congratulations on making it this far. Congratulations to you as well. Happy finale. Happy finale. Now we just have to hope that like we ever get to see a Wes Anderson movie. That's the yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> um Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I've had like a rough couple of days just cuz my body's kind of been shutting down. Mm. Um but like I've just been like really fucking tired. Um but otherwise like I haven't had any like meltdown meltdown, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A real weight off my shoulders knowing that Elliot's going to daycare soon. Yeah, very soon. Um so yeah. It's kind of a nice uh bookend to this uh process that we've gone yes. through yeah we started season four a little earlier than we were planning on starting because it was full swing quarantine mm-hmm. and we thought why not this is this is a, a moment in history that where when we want to record and now uh just as we're wrapping up you know quarantine is not ending but Perhaps the most difficult period of quarantine for you uh, is wrapping up because of the daycare situation. And uh, also speaking for myself, I can add to that that uh, this is the last episode that I'll ever record in the house I'm in. Yeah, amazing. Because we're fully moving uh, this weekend. So it's uh, it's the end of an era as well as the end of a season. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, Will. Thanks. And Dana. Mostly Dana. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to say before we get into old business? Nope. Well, let me tell you then. I have some... Old business? business? I do. Um, oh, were you? Oh, you were pausing for the jingle. Okay. Yes. I was expecting you to say it, and then we pause for the jingle. No, I was gonna let Elliot say it for me. Okay. Um, my sweet child. Um, so we were driving back from. We went to a drive-by birthday party. <laughs> Have you heard about these? Sure. They're for children mostly. Mm-hmm. I should hope so. And I went to a um, one for a two-year-old. <laughs> and uh, it was a little bit weird because I feel like when I've seen pictures of these, I've seen like a line of cars. Mm-hmm. But these were just, it was just us. Like, I think we were maybe the first ones there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were inside when we drove up. So they like had to come out. Um, and when we were driving back... Um, a song was on the radio, and it the song was um, 
save tonight. Mm-hmm. And Kenny said to me, ah, this is just like a moment, right? Um, and I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you know, that time in the 90s where there were a bunch of music videos where people were just walking through the streets. Hmm. And off the top of his head, brought up, Save Tonight, Bittersweet Symphony, and also, and then I mentioned Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden. Okay. And that is a new genre, which is like someone is just walking in the street while they're singing and like things are happening around mm-hmm. them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would say that this genre is very specific to like the 90s or the late 90s specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my old business. I, I can picture it. I, I don't have memories of those examples or any example, uh, but I can picture it. Truly. And also like. I think maybe all of those videos are in black and white. I just, mm. okay, Truly Madly Deeply is not, but um, let's see. But they're all like in that weirdly like stylized 90s where it's like colored very specifically. Mm-hmm. So Truly Madly Deeply is like way too yellow. Bittersweet Symphony is blue. And mm. then Save Tonight is is black is like black and it's like black and white but like not like slightly like mossy colored almost Mm -hmm. like a color tint yeah like a color tinted version of black and white yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah very specific genre yeah um do you have any other old business I thought of a thing that I don't really have anything to say about. I okay. just want I just want it on the record that I mentioned it. Oh, because, is it that Black Lives Matter? Uh, yeah, I, I have nothing <laughs> to say about that. That's what I was referring <laughs> to. Thanks, good setup. Um, I uh, no, it, it, it's um just uh, something that I am surprised in hindsight. Like I don't think we ever touched on that. Uh, if you remember that we did touch on it, then you can correct me, please. Mm-hmm. But the other day I was watching a new episode of Game Grumps in which they were playing Hanafuda. Yeah, we watched that today. Yeah. Um, at the end of our workday. Uh, fun episode, looked like a fun game. And it reminded me of a game called Illimat. Oh. And then I thought, huh, I never brought that up on the podcast i don't think even though it is perfectly the intersection between two topics that i've brought up uh for for, uh to focus episodes on and in last season i did an episode on the decemberists and way back in season one i did an episode on tabletop games Mm mm-hmm and uh, the Decemberists uh, partnered with some game designer and launched a Kickstarter a few years ago for a game called Illimat, uh, which is a game that you uh, play with cards and uh, sort of it's a sort of play in the box kind of a kind of a game. Um, it's not, there's not a board exactly, but there is Mm, like mm -hmm. a play field, uh, and it's a game of like putting down cards to pick up other cards, uh, much like 
Hanafuda apparently is mm-hmm. just from what I saw on Game Grumps. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it, you, you if you know anything about the Decemberists, then you can tell by looking at it that it's that they're involved. Like it's not just like you know, like when mm-hmm. a celebrity has like their own wine or their own tequila. Yeah, like, yeah. There's nothing to like identify it as like their brand necessarily. Mm-hmm. But like in the case of Illimat, like Colin Malloy's wife, who does all the art for the Decemberist, which is very uh, recognizable and consistent. Like, oh, I didn't know that. That's so she interesting. Did, she did all the art for the cards and and everything in oh. in Illimat, and so and and there are um, there were like bonus cards that came as like a Kickstarter perk that are like references to Decemberist songs. So like, there's a card called the Rake. Uh, mm-hmm. for example um i uh don't own the game myself because sarah gave to the kickstarter first uh to get the game and i was like okay we we don't both need to have it <laughs> that's oh my that god we don't live me. together <laughs> but I, I mean there was a time not so long ago when we hung out a lot right and, and if you just needed to borrow it you could have just asked yeah. yeah we're just we're in a friend group where it's like we we have a lot of games that we've played over the past yes. few years and a number of favorites. Mm-hmm. It's, it's rare that any, any two pairs of us have, you know, copies of the same right. game. Yeah. Um, we, we just bring them to each other's houses or. I, I just want to say, I am incredibly jealous of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, All of the time. It was it was a great arrangement while it lasted, and uh, one day it's gonna come back. One day, one day it'll come back. We'll do it all again, uh, and one day you'll visit, and perhaps while you visit, Sarah will break out Illimat, and we'll we'll play a round of that. Um, Good idea. I think it's only four players, so um, you know, it has to be uh, one of those nights when uh, you're not hanging out with any more than four people. um including yourself uh but uh yeah it's a it's a it's a fun enough game i would not rank it as like one of our favorites but it's sort of a sort of addicting and and aesthetically it's it's you know uh great to look at and um fun enough to play that that i look forward to the day when we play it again can two people play it that i don't remember like the, the way i remember it it would have to be exactly four people, mm. um, but um, it's possible that that's just the only way we played it, and uh, you actually can play it with th- three or two people. Kenny and I um, camp. We go camping, mm-hmm. and I'm always looking for like some game that we can play after yeah. Elliot goes to bed, where we right. can have like we have a lantern, so we have like some light. Yeah, but like I wouldn't want to play like Scrabble. Yeah. There's um there's a f- couple of games that I've played that uh wouldn't work uh with two people but there was um the the games were so popular and there was so much demand for like I wish we could play this just the two of us mm-hmm. when we're not hanging out with friends that alternate versions of the game were made that are specifically designed for just two people. Oh, cool. So, uh, did you ever play Seven Wonders? I know no, we- you told me. I remember yeah. you told me about it. 
I know we talked about Seven Wonders. There's a version of Seven Wonders that I think is called Seven Wonders Duel. Uh, ah. That is just for two people. And then um, did you ever play Code Names? Oh, yes. Yeah. There's a version of Code Names that I think is called Code Names Duet. Ah. And that is designed for just two people. Uh, and then the other thing that I would be more than happy to help you get into is Magic the Gathering. Yeah, if, which is if what Kay and I just started playing Magic the Gathering. I recommend it. Uh, I think Dana, <laughs> if she were here, would recommend it. I taught Dana to play pretty recently, and she does not hate it. And when we play together, it is not just 100% her indulging me in what I would like to do. I think it's more like maybe yeah. 75% that and and 25% she she's doing it out of her, her own enjoyment. So what you guys need to do then is go camping, go hiking and then camp mm-hmm. and then all night play. Uh, I was going to say World of Warcraft, Magic the Gathering. <laughs> That's that's yeah, that sounds like the best of both worlds. And then all of you would get equal amounts of what you want. (laughs) We did one time play Dungeons and Dragons while we were camping, but that was like uh, Dana and I were the ones camping and then the rest of the group like came up the mountain Mm -hmm. just for like a few hours or like a day, but not overnight to hang out and we played D&D. I think the way I remember that was only like the second or third time that we played D and D, and so oh my god, it was still uh, we, messy, <laughs> messier. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. always messy, but it was less intentionally messy. Do you um? Do you want to get into it? I'm ready if you are. Um, what are we talking about this week? You're going to talk about the state of independence known as Pennsylvania. Yes. I will say you're already wrong because Pennsylvania is a commonwealth. <laughs> it, yes. It, it's also one of the 50 states. Sure. But it's not technically a state. It's a commonwealth. This Along with Kentucky, Virginia... And Massachusetts. Okay. There are 50 states. We yes. agree on this. Yes. Pennsylvania is one of them. Sure. But you never, you don't say the state of Pennsylvania. You say the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Okay. I also didn't say <laughs> the state of Pennsylvania, did I? Yes, you did. No, I specifically just said the state of independence uh, known mm. as Pennsylvania. Okay, because fine. you have a sign that you can see by the side of the road when you enter Pennsylvania that mm-hmm. says, welcome to Pennsylvania, the state of independence, which I remember because the first mm-hmm. time I remember seeing that I was moving to college and I thought, well, ain't that perfect? The state of independence. Yes. I was like, yes, this is, this is the, this is me entering the phase of my life. In which I, I will enjoy my own state of independence. So Pennsylvania has new signs, by the way. Oh, there it is. I'm, this is, you just taught me something. This is mm-hmm. not something I knew about. Um, because, um, and now it says like, oh, I forget what the signs say now. But it says something about happiness and it's got this very goofy font that looks terrible. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I, so we, we need a baseline, Will. What's your baseline? My baseline is that I went to college for four years in Pennsylvania, before which I lived in and grew up in New York City, and after which I went to uh, Ohio for my master's. Oh, a neighbor. Two neighbors. Yes. Uh, from New York to PA to Ohio. Um, and uh, yes, uh, we went to the same college in Pennsylvania, the much talked about uh, 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 among us, uh, Susquehanna University, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I never uh, heard of until I was looking at colleges and universities. And I, the way I, I remember it, I believe my uncle Bruce who works in higher education. Oh, and, Kate had an Uncle Bruce, too. And I think um, takes some pride or satisfaction in uh, knowing about various institutions of higher learning. Um, I think he pointed out to me, there's this place, Susquehanna, uh, Susquehanna University in Pennsylvania, that's supposed to have the best uh, creative writing program. Uh, mm. at the undergraduate level. So I said, okay, I'll check it out because I knew that's what I meant to go to school for. Yeah. And uh, I, I applied and uh, I went there um, because uh, the the money offered was best and also yep. I had the best time uh, during my visit. Other schools that I visited were Connecticut College and Brandeis, mm. and uh, there was another school that Where's I Brandeis, Massachusetts. Ugh. And there was another school I got into that we didn't visit because it would have been a little far, uh, which was Kenyon, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I could say lots of other things about my time in Pennsylvania, but. You know, I I won't unless you ask me about anything specific. Uh, that's that's my baseline in the broadest uh, of strokes. Yeah, um, I think that's a good baseline. Um, I guess the one question I will ask you before I sort of get into why I wanted to talk about this today yep. is: Was there anything that you found particularly specific, either in a good? bad or just strange way about Pennsylvania? Something that you thought, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore, as they say. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, that's that's difficult for me to answer because uh, ma- mainly I just had New York City to compare it to. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly and, you were in the country. Yeah. Essentially. So- so, like, going around to, like, Connecticut College, to Brandeis in Massachusetts, to Susquehanna, like, I was, I was, it was plain to see, and it was clear to me, like, okay, this is the most small town rural of the options that I have. Yeah, totally. Um, I was struck by how, before I went there, um my assumptions about pronunciation of both the school and yeah. the town where the school is were how, wrong. 
Okay, so Susquehanna, I'm assuming you want to say Susquehanna. Yes. And what it, was the other one? Well, I didn't know it was called Sealand's Grove. Just reading it, I assumed it was Selen's Grove. Oh. Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk a lot about pronunciation and language in this episode. I, I thought we would, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't have a very good specific answer. No, that's fine. Except to say, like, it, it, it was an experience that might have been very similar had I gone to any number of other places and gotten out of the city and right, gone, yeah. like, looked up at the night sky and gone, like, oh, I see a lot more stars than I used to. Yeah. Um, that's not Pennsylvania specific. That's just out of New York City in some places specific. Yeah. Um, Kenny complains a lot about that down here, actually, because he can't see mm, the stars nearly as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I learned about Yingling. Ooh, yes, we're going to talk about Yingling. And one time took a tour of the factory where they make Yingling. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's... I, I wouldn't have gotten that uh, had I gone yes. to another college. So I am a Pennsylvanian. I will always be a Pennsylvanian. I was born in Harrisburg, in Harrisburg Hospital, which is the same hospital that my... Um, father was born in and my aunt and hypothetically my grandfather he was born in a hospital my grandfather grew up in Harrisburg so did my grandmother and they um ended up traveling a lot during their um lives they lived in many different places including I thought hilariously Morristown New Jersey Mm. um also Tampa also Fairfax which is a place I've lived um and in the end they bought a townhouse in Harrisburg, and not the city of Harrisburg, but um, a, a Harrisburg mailing address, but a suburb. And um, they also bought two townhouses in the same neighborhood, one for my mother and father and one for my aunt and uncle. The idea being that these were our starter houses, they would pay rent, and either they would eventually own the houses or they would move out into another larger house. Um, well, my aunt and my uncle were very responsible, and they moved out. Uh, to Atlanta because my uncle got a job there as a pilot and my parents uh, were not. And so we lived in that house until um, well after my grandfather died. Um, But because of this, I uh, lived across the street from my grandfather. I was born in Harrisburg Hospital, the hospital that overlooks the Susquehanna River's seven bridges in Harrisburg. And I uh, loved Harrisburg. I love Harrisburg so much. And as I got older, I also realized that I really loved Pennsylvania. And the reason I love Pennsylvania and the reason I'm so smug about Pennsylvania is because Pennsylvania has like so much shit in it. Like it has just got so many different things going on. Language wise, it's got like so many different like sections that have different dialects and different words that they use. You can travel, like, two hours in one direction, and it's, like, a totally different, like, set of words and cultures and stuff. Um, It's also got, like, a bunch of very strange, very specific foods Mm -hmm. that, again, don't translate necessarily more than an hour in a diameter Mm -hmm. from the spot that you're standing in. And it's also got... 
um, a really rich um, geographic history. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot going on with just like the physical land. And it also just has for how big it is. It's like it's like not the biggest state. Um it does have a fair amount of, like, if you're looking at it in terms of, like, the Electoral College, which is, I know maybe a weird way to judge the size of something, but, you know, the Electoral College sort of is, like, you know, this is how many people there are, mm-hmm. right? It's got 20 votes. Um, the next is New York, which has 29. Mm. Um, there's plenty with far less than 20. Um, mm-hmm. You know, elector- you know Pennsylvania has been really key in a lot of elections um, with that 20. So in like a fairly small amount of space, it's got all of this stuff going on. And it it also has like the most of some things. And if not the most, then like a lot. Um, and so when I was trying to come up with the last episode that I wanted to do as a finale, I was kind of like waffling around. And then I don't know why, but this thought had never come to me. And I don't know why, because it's maybe the thing that I am most smug about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of the stuff on this list we're not even going to get into. I'm just going to sort of like, you know, real quick fact, lay it down. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and this was all stuff that I just came up with off the top of my head. And I also want to say, like, I am by no means a full expert on Pennsylvania because there's just so much stuff going on. There's no way that I could be. And Mm. the fact that I haven't lived, let's say, in Pittsburgh or in Philadelphia um, means that I don't know everything about those cities that I wish I did. Um, And then, you know, I only know as much as I know about Nepa, northeastern Pennsylvania, because of Kenny living there. And uh, then, like, the Erie area, I know essentially nothing about um there is significantly less people living up in that area in the northwest um i mean in erie there was more but in that general direction um so that's part of it but um even that like the fact that there's like a whole section of the state that i know very little about just says how much there is to know about the state itself Mm -hmm. um so let's see where do we want to start do you want to start with food or do you want to start, do you want to start with food, geography, language, or facts? Let's start with geography. Okay. So one of the um, most noticeable features of Pennsylvania is the Susquehanna River, which I have tattooed on my chest. And I have it so that Harrisburg and Seelands Grove are right over my heart. And the reason I love the Susquehanna so much is it is um, a very strange river. So, of course, the Susquehanna starts in Cooperstown. Of course. Uh, it's got two branches, but the the, nor- the main branch starts in Cooperstown, New York, and it does end in the Chesapeake Bay. So it does go through Maryland. So it's not it's not completely specific to Pennsylvania, but the main portions of it go through Pennsylvania, and the West Branch is only in Pennsylvania. The Susquehanna is the longest river on the east coast of the United States. It's also the longest non-commercially navigatable river in the country. So that means that it's um, so shallow 
that you'd think that, oh, like, it would be like the Mississippi. It would just be this, like, you know, this waterway that, like, freight could move up and down. But no, as I think you know from um, driving up and down uh, near Sealands Grove, it's incredibly shallow in some places where there's just, I mean, like, a canoe couldn't even necessarily get over it if it was a dry summer. Mm-hmm. And it's also incredibly wide as a river. So it's, um, in some places, it's over a mile wide, which is very, very wide for a river. I remember seeing the Chattahoochee for the first time in Georgia and being like, this is a creek. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is not a river. Rivers are, like, majestic. <laughs> And this is not in Pennsylvania, but the section that I cross over um, in Maryland when I'm going to Jersey is just, like, one of the widest, most, like, gorgeous sections of it. It's a beautiful river. Mm -hmm. Now, if my brother were here, Blake would tell you that it's a dirty river and it's gross and I shouldn't swim in it and it's polluted and blah, blah, blah. And that's probably all true, but I love it. It's, like, one of my – it's my favorite place in the world is the Susquehanna River. I have it in my um, will that I – uh, would like my ashes spread there when I die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my last fact about the Susquehanna River is that it's one of the oldest rivers in the whole world. What does this mean? So did you know that the Appalachian Mountains, which also run through Pennsylvania and many other places along the East Coast, do you know how old the Appalachian Mountains are? No. The Appalachian Mountains are significantly older than the Rocky Mountains. You know how the Hmm. Appalachian Mountains are like, kind of don't feel like mountains? Because they're so, like, they're not very tall. Yeah. And then you see like a Rocky Mountain and you're like, oh shit, this is a mountain. Mm Mm-hmm. That's because they're old. Mm -hmm. They used to be as old, as, as tall as the Rocky Mountains, but through erosion and over time, they've worn down. And that's why we have the Atlantic Shelf. Mm hmm Which, you know, is this, it's basically the mountains like went into the ocean and made a shelf and then there's like a drop off into the sea which the pacific does not have Hmm. which i don't know this for a fact but i always suspected that was why there was like surfing on the west coast and there's not surfing on the east east coast Hmm. because the waves can get bigger on the west coast Mm -hmm. um because there's not really surfing on the east coast right um but there could, but it seems like there should be because we've got plenty of hot surfing areas, like areas where it would be hot enough to surf, you know. Plenty of HSAs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, the su- okay, so that's how old. I mean, the mountains are all old. Let's be realistic here, but the Appalachian Mountains are significantly older than the Rockies because they're they've been worn down. The mountains. The Appalachian Mountains formed around the river. Mm-hmm. In almost every other case with a river, the river forms around the mountains. Sure. So that's how old the Susquehanna River is. It's like millions of years old. Okay. Um. So those are those are my Susquehanna River facts. Good. The other thing I want to talk about in terms of like geography is um. Well, this is sort of two parts. So it's about coal and it's about steel. Okay. So Pittsburgh's known for being a big steel area, right? And, you know, of course, that industry's died a little bit. And so that's why we have um, 
you know, that's why Pittsburgh sort of became depressed for a while. And that's also why we have the Steelers, which is the football team. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pennsylvania is also a big coal region. And one of the things that's very specific to Pennsylvania is anthracite coal. Do you know about anthracite coal? No. So that's because you did not grow up in Pennsylvania. And in the fourth grade, you did not take Pennsylvania history. So in the fourth grade, they told us something that I learned today was false, but it's still mostly true. What they taught us was that Pennsylvania was the only state that had anthracite coal in the country. That's not true. There are small pockets of anthracite coal in a few other states, like maybe four other states. One of them, I think, is Arizona, but I could be wrong. I just read this tonight. Hmm. But uh, northeastern Pennsylvania specifically has the largest, by far, deposit of anthracite coal um, in anywhere of the United States. It's in other countries uh, as well abroad, but it's one of the only places in the, it's like the only place in the United States that has anthracite coal. Mm-hmm. Anthracite coal is a harder coal than the coal that you're used to seeing pictures of. It doesn't like smudge mm-hmm. as much. And they actually had to figure out a different way to burn it. At first, they didn't think it was going to be a viable heat source. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole, um, like history around specifically mining anthracite coal that's specific to northeastern Pennsylvania. Hmm. Now, this is like one of my favorite. This gets into like the weird culture that's like feels very Pennsylvanian to me. So in Moscow, Pennsylvania, where Kenny's from, there's a pizza shop named Fairies, which is also an anthracite coal museum. Uh-huh. It is when you walk in there's like a wall that sort of leads you like on the other side of the wall is the dining room, but the wall leads you to the counter where you order. And there's just a bunch of paraphernalia and uh, like actual coal and mining, mining, I was going to say costumes, mining outfits and uh, also some merchandise you can buy like a, a shirt that says Pennsylvania. And then on each end, there's a hand and in the one hand, it's holding a cross. and the other hand, it's holding a gun. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, there's like a weird helicopter passing. Can you hear it? Yes, I can. Oh, I don't. I can't see it, though. It sounded very weird. It sounded like its blades were wet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like... Yes, sure. <laughs> so, um, this is like part of the culture of Pennsylvania, which is that like... Pennsylvania also loves itself and specifically loves just putting things together (laughs) because Hmm. it can. Like, yeah, small town Pennsylvania means that you're going to have a museum that is also a pizza shop. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then the dude who owns the pizza shop went into Coles and took the coal mines and took videos on like, and they have this like VHS tape playing of him in a mine. But it's sure. a VHS tape, so it's, like, terrible quality, and it's right. in a mine, so it's dark as shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would like to see that. That sounds that sounds like it kicks ass. So, yeah, I love fairies. Fairies, by the way, uh, bless them. Terrible pizza. <laughs> now I want to eat pizza from there. But they have a great cheesesteak, which we'll also get to in a little oh. bit. Oh, boy. So, in terms, I think this is, like, a good time to bring this up. In terms of Pennsylvania, this is partially facts, but I think it makes sense. In terms of Pennsylvania, like I said, having like just like a lot of stuff 
jammed into this like fairly small area. Mm-hmm. Um, Pennsylvania has 121 state parks. State parks. Uh-huh. And 19 national parks. Oh, okay. Now I'm impressed. <laughs> so if you're looking at a map of Pennsylvania where they have the state parks, there are whole swaths of it that are just that, like, green that they use. Sure. Which I feel like is also important to mention because, again, there's all this stuff going on, and yet there's so much of Pennsylvania that is just actual actual wilderness because it's these parks. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a little Grand Canyon out west as well. Okay. Contradiction <laughs> in terms, but okay. <laughs> um, and then also in terms of, like, there being a lot of stuff, and this is something I'm sure that you know, but Pennsylvania has just an enormous number of colleges and universities. Hmm. Can you guess how many? Uh, no. Would you like me to, though? Yes. Okay. Th- 302. So I have seen, I will say this. I have seen varying numbers on this. I hmm. saw a number when I was looking this up previously, that said 381. Ah. That seemed high to me. Okay. And I think it was maybe including technical colleges. Sure. Like a culinary school that you uh-huh. have to have a high school degree. Yeah. Um. When, you, when I found the number that they had, which is to say that I don't think that that's a bad guess because I think that there, there is a way that you could count this where mm-hmm. it would be that number. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at the Pennsylvania state website for colleges and universities it says that there are about 250 okay um which is a lot yeah and it's so many that the colleges literally run into each other mm-hmm. so like you this was further apart but like bucknell and susquehanna were 20 minutes apart from one another yes um which in the middle of nowhere pennsylvania says something i think yeah no you're right and if you're getting down into, like, the Gettysburg area, like, between York and Lancaster, the two counties that are sort of south of Harrisburg, um, there's, like, Millersville, Elizabethtown, York College, Gettysburg College, like, all of these colleges that are, I mean, literally within 15 to 20 minutes of one another, maybe 45, you know, less than an hour. And in Pittsburgh, you know, you have Pitt and then Carnegie Mellon that are literally so close to one another that my brother, who was going to Pitt for one semester, would sometimes run into his friend Mark, who was going to Carnegie Mellon, just on the street. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if I'm remembering correctly at the time, if you wanted to take a class at the other school, you just could. Yeah. Like, you couldn't, like, get a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't, like, do a whole degree program. But if there was, like, a class that was offered at Carnegie Mellon that wasn't offered at Pitt, you could just take it. Mm-hmm. They just let you do that. And the credits transferred and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, which, speaking of colleges, we also have four Commonwealth colleges, which are um, a weird thing that doesn't exist anywhere else, where anywhere else either. So I mentioned earlier that Pennsylvania is a Commonwealth. So we've got um, Pitt in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, Penn State, in College Park and also th- throughout the entire state. Temple in Philadelphia, and I believe the fourth one is Liberty College. Hmm. That's the smaller one. Those are all Commonwealth schools. So they're not state schools, but they're also not private schools. They're like a mix of both. 
and they're all connected to one another. So all of their tuition has to be on be in parity with one another. Mm. Um, which is again this weird Pennsylvania thing where like I've never heard of that anywhere else. <laughs> Hmm. it's like this like weird law that they created i don't know if it's i couldn't even tell you if this is a good idea or a bad idea i just Mm -hmm. know that it's true sure um they have to be in parody with one another like like weird al yankovic has to come in and (laughs) spoof spoof the tuition if weird al yankovic Hmm. comes to pit he is contractually obligated to, within six months, also come to Temple and Penn State. Ah, okay. Yes. Now I follow. <laughs> Laws are so interesting. Um, And then the last thing I'll mention is mushrooms. Oh. Do you know about Pennsylvania and mushrooms? Do you know anything about this? Mm, not really. So this is one of those facts that I have known for essentially my entire life because Mr. Rogers, a hero to everyone and me specifically, okay. is from Pittsburgh or the Pittsburgh area. Yes. And so he had an episode where he visited a mushroom farm, I guess, mm-hmm. which are underground. Okay. Because mushrooms are grown in caves or underground. Pennsylvania produces uh, the most mushrooms of any state in the country. Mm. Uh, They produce 68% of the country's mushrooms. Wow. Yeah, which is a a lot. (laughs) It's a big country. Um, and I think that it said that we eat, like, um, another, like, Pennsylvania also eats a huge amount of mushrooms. Sure. But I can't find that fact right now. So, yeah, I, I think that's also just incredible. Clearly there are, like, people in, like, Portland or whatever, like, going out and finding mushrooms on hills or whatever. But in terms of just, like, the cremini that you're getting, the white button... They're probably coming from Pennsylvania. Hmm. Okay. So that covers... I mean, some of these things overlap. That covers most of my sort of, like, just general, like, geographic, Mm -hmm. interesting things. Yep. Um, Oh, I guess the other thing that's worth mentioning geographically is Pennsylvania is known for having terrible roads. Mm -hmm. Are Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this trope? That sounds familiar now that you say that, yeah. Where it's like, there's a joke, and it's not really a joke because it's the truth, where like, you drive from Maryland into Pennsylvania and all of a sudden it goes from being smooth to being like... Yeah. Do you know why this is? Uh, no, I don't think I don't think I do. So Pennsylvania is north of the Mason-Dixon line. But it is, most of Pennsylvania is in this very specific stretch that even in Maryland, I can tell you that being, you know, just south, like two hours south of Harrisburg, we don't experience it as much here, um, where throughout the winter, it thaws and freezes constantly. Where down here, it freezes for, cert- for sure, but it doesn't really fluctuate as much. It's not like 
getting down to freezing at night, thawing out during the day. It'll be like down and freezing for like, you know, a stretch, and then it'll be not freezing for like a really long time. Mm-hmm. Further north, I think it's staying mostly cold for longer and then thawing out. In Pennsylvania, it can literally, in depending on what time of the year, year it is, it can be every single day that it free, like deep freezes to 20 degrees at night and then gets up to 45 or 50 during the day. Mm-hmm. And that means that we get potholes. Right. And, I mean, just terrible potholes. Where another joke about Pennsylvania specifically is that there's, like, always construction on the highways. And that's because of these potholes. Because, you know, what happens with a pothole is you get a crack and then water gets in. And it freezes and it expands and breaks open the crack a little bit. And then it melts, fills up again, over and over. Um... And so Pennsylvania has tried to do various things with the way that it constructs, constructs its roads. And one of the things that it do, did, um, and I might be wrong about this, but I think I'm right, is it has roads oftentimes in these segments. where Because that way it can more easily sort of get rid of part of the road and replace it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's something specific about the materials they're using. That I could not tell you. But that's where you get some of this bumping happening. Because if it's a segment that's, like, 20 feet long, when you're going 60 miles an hour, you go over that pretty fast, but you end up really feeling it in your tires. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's a weird geography thing. Okay. Food. 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 There's so much fucking weird food in Pennsylvania, and I love every goddamn bit of it, except for Scrapple. <laughs> so... Pennsylvania has this weird, it has a couple of weird things going for it. The first is that it has a bunch of regional foods that are very specific to every region that they're in. Mm-hmm. And the second is that we have um, very specific ethnic groups in some of these regions. So Kenny wanted to point out that in like Nepa, there's like a huge population of Polish and Eastern European people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're making things like pierogies. Yes. And so you can, and this is true in Harrisburg too, but way more up there, you can go to a grocery store and you can buy frozen, I mean, they're frozen because they last longer, but like hand folded pierogies that like a human being folded with their hands. Uh Um, Do you know what a pierogi is? I just realized I need to ask this sort of question. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I've been with Dana for 11 years. Yes. Yeah, I've known... For three weeks for, longer than Kenny and I. <laughs> I've known for most of that time what a what a pierogi is. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know... Also, pierogi, it was like not irregular cafeteria food. Yes, they had them in Pennsylvania. They had them in um, in in the calf all the time. Yeah. yeah. I'll, this, the calf is going to come up in a second, so this is um, a good... A good segue to that too. Great. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, I can't imagine who you are. A pierogi is a is a dumpling mm-hmm. um, made of a dough that's pretty thick um, compared to other dumplings of in other cultures across the world. And it's uh usually it's filled with a couple of things, but it's sort of like usually filled with potatoes and cheese, mm-hmm. onions. Oftentimes it's served with caramelized onions on the side. Sometimes right. the onions are inside. You can also get sweet pierogies, which are really weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like ones that are filled with strawberries. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then you can either get them like boiled or boiled and or like fried in butter, which is like the best way, clearly. With yeah. Like caramelized onions on the side. Mm-hmm. 
So if we want to talk about the calf, so there was, a, and this is what I mean, this is a great example of like the differences being just like a few hours away from one another. So like I knew about pierogies growing up because we had Mrs. T's pierogies, which are probably the most widely available pierogies that you mm-hmm. can get. Yeah, I think we but have some I, in our freezer here in Arizona. Yes. Um, but I couldn't get any of the like artisanal ones that Kenny was getting by any standard. But I grew up eating something called chicken and waffles. Mm-hmm. Do you know what chicken and waffles is? I assume it is waffles, which I'm familiar with. Yes. And fried chicken. That is a really good assumption. And that is true in the South. Uh huh. In Pennsylvania, chicken and waffles is like chicken in a gravy over waffles. Okay. And Kenny and I once were playing hangman when we were waiting to go to the melting pot for our anniversary. And I did chicken and waffles. And he said to me, Liz, you just can't put two words together. Right. And I said, I'm not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But he, being from northeastern Pennsylvania, had never encountered the southern version of chicken waffles, which is fried chicken, sometimes with honey on waffles. Right. Um, But he'd also never encountered the version that I'm familiar with, which is like pieces of chicken cooked, stewed in a gravy that's then put over waffles. And as we all know, the the specific location in northeastern Pennsylvania where Kenny lived and grew up was uh, under a big rock. (laughs) <laughs> where it's impossible to hear of things from other parts of the country or the world. Oh, yeah. Well, and he just had so many weird phrases. Well, we'll get to the language up there. But there were so many things up there that, like, I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get to these, more of these in, in later. But do you know what a tricky tray is? No. Yeah. That's because it's very fucking specific to northeastern Pennsylvania. Okay. You do know what a tricky tray is, but you don't know the word. Okay. Have you ever been to a raffle where you're given multiple raffle tickets and you can put the tickets in the box of the item you would like to be, you would like to win? Yes, I guess I have. That, I would just call that a raffle. Uh Uh-huh. Where it's like, I bought $10 worth of tickets and I definitely don't want this basket full of sports balls. Right. But I do want this uh, basket full of cooking stuff. Yep. So I'm going to put all my tickets in the cooking stuff basket. Yeah. Kenny calls that a tricky tray. That's fun. (laughs) Um, I've heard nobody else call it that. Okay. So the other sort of main thing, and I wish that I had had the um, wherewithal to somehow get Kim on here, is the Pennsylvania Dutch. Mm -hmm. And the Pennsylvania Dutch have a whole culture, but I'm mostly familiar with their food. Yes. Now, I am not Pennsylvania Dutch, but it sometimes feels like I am. Sure. Because we ate so much of their food growing up. Ah. Um, now, do you know what the Pennsylvania Dutch are? Uh, they are uh, Dutch people who settled in Pennsylvania and a their great, descendants. A great guess, but no. Cool. <laughs> They're Germans. Ah. So... In the 17th and 18th century, the the Deutsch people uh-huh. emigrated to Pennsylvania from Germany. Deutschland. And we were we were idiots, and so we thought they were saying Dutch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they became the Pennsylvania Dutch. That sucks. <laughs> um, right. Um, 
But they did it. I mean, the 17th and 18th centuries was so long ago that they have mm-hmm. a very specific culture that is like reminiscent of something you might find in Germany today, but like mm-hmm. absolutely separate because it grew, yeah. it grew mm-hmm. into its own thing in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So the Pennsylvania Dutch have so many foods that they have their own Wikipedia page just for the foods. Cool. Um, I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I am going to land on some highlights. Um, is number this one. Gonna, is this going to yes. also bring us back to the calf? Because I feel like the calf came up and then oh, you sorry, didn't say yes. anything about it. You're right. After Kenny and I had this chicken and waffles conversation, oh, they yeah. also had chicken and waffles in the calf. Oh, okay. Yeah, your, so, your version of it, not the southern yes. version. Yeah. Yes. And so like once a month they would have it in the calf. And every time, because when, when Kenny and I did this, I think it was junior year. And I at the time I was like, dude, they have this in the calf like re- fairly regularly. And he was like, no, they don't. Da, da, da. And so anytime we'd go to eat for like the rest of junior year and senior year, I'd be like, Hmm. never heard of this dish before what's this exotic dish (laughs) and he was like shut up liz (laughs) yeah he sounds like a hoot (laughs) you're saying it like you've never met kenny before (laughs) he just he just comes across differently sometimes when you're telling stories about him I'd That's because like, he's mean to me. He's not mean to me, but he let he he and I are mean to each other in ways that are funny. Good. Did I ever did I ever tell you the the dumb one the story when I said he was gonna call me dumb or no he was gonna call me a, I I said did I ever have I told you this story? I don't think so. Seems like you okay. would have, but so I think this story is funny only because Kenny and I are incredibly gentle people. <laughs> We're very comfortable with one another. There's nothing malicious or um, violent about our relationship. Okay. I was talking. I was talking to a coworker, the same coworkers whose whose two year old just had a birthday, um, about this a couple of months ago, and she said something about getting into fights with her husband. She was like, "Don't you ever just like get into it with Kenny?" And I was like, "Well, I guess we had this one fight." in college and she was just like shut the fuck up i can literally think of one actual fight i've had with kenny Mm -hmm. and it was senior year of college Mm -hmm. um so like we don't even like we don't argue everything's fine so here's the story i forget what i was doing but kenny was like don't be dumb and i Mm. was like i was like i was laughing and i was like you are going to call me a bitch. And he was like, no. And then like, there was a beat. He said, I was going to call you a dumb bitch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Kenny's mean to me, but not mean, but meaner than he is to anybody else. Um, So yes, chicken and waffles is one of these Pennsylvania Dutch specialties. Okay. Birch beer. Mm -hmm. Do you know what birch beer is? Uh, yeah, I've, well, I've heard of it, but I don't know how to define it. Birch beer is similar to root beer. Um, I could not tell you how they taste different, except that they just do taste different. Okay. Um, sort of like how I couldn't tell you the difference between like a plum and an apricot, how they taste. Sure. They're both stone fruit. I know that apricots are smaller. (laughs) Um... Mm. 
But birch beer is specific to the Pennsylvania Dutch. Like when you buy birch beer, the brand that they have is actually called like Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. Mm-hmm. It's got like a horse on it. And I think it is superior to root beer. Hmm. It's just got like more distinct sort of like brighter flavors. Like I think of it as being sharper than root beer and less like root beer. I just think of it as being like incredibly sweet. Hmm. And birch beer is definitely sweet because it's still soda, but it there's just like more going on. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, my grandfather, I was thinking about this today. I was like, I really strive to one day be a person that has a refrigerator dedicated only to beverages. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. With like weird, like large pieces of meat in the freezer part of the refrigerator that like don't need to be in the regular freezer. Mm-hmm. And... My grandfather had one of these refrigerators. He actually had three cooling units in his house. He had the upstairs fridge, normal fridge. Mm-hmm. He had a refrigerator, a refrigerator downstairs that was by the bar. And then in the maintenance room, utility room, he had like a fr- like a full-sized, like you open the front door freezer mm-hmm. from like the 1950s that still worked for some reason that they would freeze like strawberries and corn in. Wow. Like, they would buy corn when it was fresh, husk it, and freeze it. Yeah. We we might become people like that sooner rather than later. Yeah. The reason is because uh, in our new house, the kitchen is quite small. Mm-hmm. And the refrigerator currently in the kitchen is very large. And uh, <laughs> it, like, comes out farther than the counter uh, cabinets yeah uh and so uh we have talked about uh maybe getting a new fridge to replace the one in the kitchen one that uh has you know not a door up here and a door down there but mm-hmm. the two doors the side by sides yeah the side by side um to try to save space because those doors don't come out as far Oh as God! But then you through. could, but you could keep that fridge and put it someplace. Like exactly. Yeah. Do you have a garage? Like, uh, no, but we have a shed. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And also, there. I mean, it's hard to imagine what it's all going to look like now. But I, I think perhaps there's a possibility that there will be enough room, enough space in the Arizona room. Ah, that yes. like there could be a fridge in there as well. Uh, you could have like a little bar. Yeah, yeah, maybe, possibly. There could, yeah, there could be good. That there could be a good area for that. Oh, I love that idea. I can picture that. Um, my grandfather with his refrigerator, when he was, um, I can't believe I haven't brought up my grandfather more on this podcast, but he had this very specific way of talking. I can I can even post a video. It's from my first day of school, and it's very. He only says like two sentences, but it's like incredibly, like, a perfect little capture of how he mm-hmm. talked. He would say in high school, he would say, "Elizabeth, do you prefer?" He asked me this more than once. He was like, "Do you prefer root beer or birch beer?" And I said, "I prefer birch beer, grandfather." And he'd say, "Well, you know, birch beer is fifty cents more expensive than root beer." And I'd say, Grandfather, if you need to save the 50 cents, please get root beer. But since you asked, I still prefer birch beer over root beer. And he'd say, no, don't worry, Elizabeth. I'll, I'll get the birch beer. <laughs> he was trying to tell you that you are a woman of expensive tastes. <laughs> yeah, he was.
was. Unlike Gary Fink, my other grandfather, who said I was a cheap date more than once. Um, Yikes. Almost seems really inappropriate. (laughs) It was cute. Because the, the context of it was that I had said, Gary, can we have money to have like a picnic at the writer's house? And I just like want to buy some snacks. He was like, yeah, yeah, just bring me the receipts. And I was like, thanks. Thanks, Gary. And then like the couple of times I did this, I. um, He couldn't believe that you didn't spend more. It was like twenty five or thirty dollars. He was like, wow, cheap date. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then once. Once uh, I was in Carla's office and he came by, he was like, hey, do you have any uh, receipts left over? She's like, no, Gary, I just like. I'm not going to, like, try to, like, receipt, like, whatever, like, $2 I spent on coffee. He was like, oh, yeah, cheap date. Okay. And, like, walked away. And I said to Carl, I was like, he called me a cheap date once. She's like, yeah, I think he thinks that's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It does make me laugh thinking of him saying saying it in that way where where, where you – you put it as like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> just like, oh yeah, cheap date, okay, like as if it's like, I don't know. Uh, and it was like, but it was hilarious because both times were literally about expensing something, yes. like the specific genre right. of things you're expensing to the university, right? <laughs> um, cheap date. Oh yeah, cheap date. Uh, oh okay, yeah yeah, I see. Cheap date. <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Huh. Like it's shorthand for something. <laughs> yeah, for you not costing the department much money. Which makes me wonder, like, who was not a cheap date in that department? I mean, I I, I gotta believe most, I mean, more people than not. I mean, mm-hmm. wouldn't, I guess, I don't know. You're the exception. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, yes. So, birch beer. That that's specific. Check. Check. Um there's let's see. Oh, okay. Scrapple. Do you know what Scrapple is? <laughs> I know it's like a sort of uh what's left over it's like it's like the leftover meat. Yeah. And it's, it's served like- in like a ground meat kind of a way. Yeah, so it's a mush of pork scraps and other trimmings that they combine with some sort of cornmeal or flour to give it like um like body so it's not mm-hmm. just like a sausage and then some spices and it's formed into this like sort of congealed loaf mm-hmm. and then you slice it and fry it it's also mm-hmm. like super fatty yeah um but i mean it has like awful in it so it's got mm-hmm. like heart liver head kidneys yeah. Um. I don't like it, <laughs> but people who love we- weird meat products do. Sure. I feel like I've also maybe I'm misremembering this, but I feel like I've also seen crap scrapple where people have sort of like broken it up a little bit and then serve it on the side of like eggs. It's a breakfast food. So that's what I was picturing. Yeah, yeah, that's the but version of it that I was picturing. Mostly, I've seen it with um slices Hmm. and then there's something i call these beet pickled eggs but a lot of people from pennsylvania call them red beet eggs and i think that these are also something that you can find in like the midwest and like michigan Mm -hmm. so they're not i don't think that they're 
exactly specific to Pennsylvania, but they're definitely specific to Pennsylvania compared to the surrounding states. Mm-hmm. And these are, do you know what these are? Have you seen these? Yeah, I've seen a red egg. So they're hard-boiled eggs that you put into a pickling solution that's made of vinegar and pick. Well, it's made of, it's essentially you take pickled beets and then just put the eggs in there. Right. Um, Is the idea. But like usually when I make them, I don't have just pickled beets lying around. So I make my own sort of pickling juice with them. Mm-hmm. And it makes the eggs this like beautiful, just like viciously bright magenta. Mm-hmm. And the longer they sit in the pickling liquid, the closer they get to the yolks. And I feel like in Michigan, I've heard them described as, like, sort of bar food. Like, you'd have this, like, bar, yeah. like, this giant jar of beet pickled eggs. Mm-hmm. In Pennsylvania, they're, like, an Easter food. Okay. So you make a batch before Easter, and then you have them uh, uh, sliced in half, maybe with a little salt and pepper. Or, if you're feeling fucking fancy, devil those motherfuckers. Mm. Um, so... That is a delight. That is like the ideal way to eat a beet pickled uh, uh, beet pickled egg, which is what I call them. Mm. Um, pretzels are also a big thing in Pennsylvania. Do you know about how pretzels are a big thing in Pennsylvania? Well, I know, of course, Snyder's of Hanover. Absolutely. So this gets us into the snack belt. I think this is a good, well, let me look at this list one more time. So let me, before we move on to the snack belt, let me say a couple of other things. A couple of other weird Pennsylvania Dutch food. Uh, Chow Chow, which is like a pickled vegetable mix, but it's called Chow Chow for some reason. Okay. Uh, Hog Maw. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pig stomach. Um, pork and sauerkraut on New Year's Eve, on New Year's Day. So on New Year's Day, you're supposed to eat pork and sauerkraut with mashed potatoes for, for good luck specifically. It's like, not just like a tradition, but it's also like a, like a superstition. Yeah. Um, a lot of ginger things like ginger snaps, ginger cake, gingerbread. And then there's Lebanon bologna, which we'll get to Lebanon in a little bit, but Lebanon bologna is a very specific meat product. Um, and then the two, um, big, uh, desserts are whoopie pies, Mm -hmm. which are sort of like a weird, it's like a cookie shaped cake with like a cream filling. Yep. They're about the size of your palm. Mm -hmm. And then also fashnats. You know what fashnats are? No. Fashnats are a donut. I've seen them in various shapes. I've seen rectangular ones and, r- and round ones that are made before Lent. Okay. Is it a portmanteau? No, it's F- it's I- F it, it's F A S T N A C H T. I can't even you, you spelled it and I couldn't follow that i can't even picture the word in my head it's fast mm-hmm. like you go fast what, what okay yeah and it, it Nacht, is yeah n-a-c-h-t which means night in german okay yes you said you, they're they're made and eaten before lent yes it's fast not as in you go fast but as in you fast 
Yes. But yeah, I was just saying that to get you the spelling to you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and the idea is that it's a way to empty out your pantry of all of the fat and sugar and butter and stuff. On the night before the fast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when you when you said that they were donuts, uh-huh. I thought it sounded like they might be like fascist donuts. <laughs> yeah, they're like very evil donuts. Um, no, no, they're delicious, and they it's like a very like you can only get them in one day. Um, and there's also a couple of different kinds of fasnats, so you can get them. Um, plain you can get them filled with cream sometimes they have fruit jam i have not run into that as often oftentimes they're um also potato donuts Mm -hmm. and um sometimes they're coated with like sugar or confectioner sugar and sometimes they're uncoated Mm. so that's just like you know where you are in the state Mm -hmm. um so yes oh and then i guess the other one thing i will bring up is shoe fly pie Okay, yeah, I was wondering if that was going to come up. So shoe fly pie is this, like, pie that's just, like, all, like, molasses. Yeah. I think it's molasses and sugar, and it's in a crust, and then it's got this, like, crumb topping. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. molasses. Yeah. Um, And it is, I do not like shoe fly pie. <laughs> I think it's good. Uh, I've had it mainly because... Uh, it, it was in the cafeteria sometimes. Uh, my memories of the cafeteria are mainly of the dessert section. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say that the two strangest things that I remember from that context, and I was going to ask you whether they were Pennsylvania things or whether they were appropriated from other places or other mm-hmm. cultures. And the first was shoe fly pie. Which I guess I thought was either a Pennsylvania thing or like a Southern thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, the other, which I think maybe there was only one occasion when I saw this, uh, was potato candy. Oh yeah, potato candy. Potato candy is real weird. And that is a Pennsylvania thing as well. That I am actually not sure about. I've definitely encountered it in Pennsylvania. It's mm-hmm. Irish. Oh, and yes, it's tra- it's it's a Philadelphia thing. Okay. Um. So yeah, it is specific to Pennsylvania, and it's super weird. You're absolutely correct. Um. The other um thing worth mentioning about shoe fly pie is that. Shoe fly pie was always presented to me like next to pecan pie. Where it was like shoe fly pie was essentially pecan pie without pecans. Was the way it was always described to me. Mm. And I was like, why would anybody want that? Why would you <laughs> not want the pecans? Mm. Um, so the snack belt. Yes. So Pennsylvania. So like NPR actually just had. So I had sort of always known about this. Because something else, again, when we're talking about like huge amounts of the same thing in a small area. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania has so many snack food companies. Yep. So you've got Uts, yep. Snyder's of Hanover, Middlesworth, um, 
all like fairly close to one another making pretzels which i think my brother said that like we eat like 68 percent of the pretzels in the country or something in pennsylvania that's that number sounds familiar martin's uh potato chips are another big one okay um and this is also because of the pennsylvania dutch Mm -hmm. so basically pretzels um were made very often you know we've definitely seen like plenty of pictures of german people with pretzels right they're very german Mm -hmm. but um basically these small companies started making these snacks um like pretzels and chips and stuff like that and potatoes too you know we have so many potato things in pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and like potato candy and were able to just like they were so popular that they've been able to keep making them as these small independent companies without even needing to um like ooh i just saw a bat cool um without even needing to like eventually shutter or be bought by a larger company mhm so um because of this we have all of these like we were an Utz family growing up. Um but with pretzels, like I have friends that and like relatives that want the like big um cardboard box of Snyder's of Hanover pretzel hard pretzels, like the hard um pretzels that are about, you know, this big like the size of like maybe your palm Mm -hmm. and you like break them into pieces and you eat them with like Mertz cheese which is this like spreadable cheddar and you like scrape them through the Mertz cheese and you like drink a beer sure and part of the reason also that um chips specifically were so um prevalent in Pennsylvania and in the snack belt was because of lard. We had so much lard left over that we were frying these potato chips in lard. So, like, Utz has Grandma Utz, and those are the ones that are specifically fried in lard still. Mm. They sort of got away from that, and then, um, which is, like, a lot of the chips that you'll find aren't fried in lard now, but you always have, like, a couple. And the ones that are fried in lard are, like, harder and crunchier and thicker. Mm-hmm. And they have a cute grandma on them. Hmm. <laughs> And I've been to the Utz factory. Cool. But was it like a school trip or was it independent of school? Ugh, it was my aunt. Okay. I love my Aunt Sally so much. She is one of my favorite relatives by like by by far one of my favorite relatives that I'm related to by blood. Wow. Um but she insists on going on day trips and it drives hmm. Blake and I nuts. Like we like that it's like we like them, but Sometimes we just, like, want to fucking hang out. <laughs> she must be really struggling these days. <laughs> yeah, I think she is. Um, we would go visit her sometimes for, th- I think, at most three weeks, but usually two weeks. We would spend in the summer down there in Atlanta, and they had a pool. So Blake and I, being who we are, would literally be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to wake up. I want to read books by the pool and in the pool until lunch. And then I want to eat sandwiches, which you always put out a great spread for sandwiches. And then I want to take a nap and read more or maybe play in the actual water. 
and then I want to eat dinner, which I will love. I would love to help you make dinner because I like cooking. And then we can hang out <laughs> some more. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Sally would be like, why don't we go to Dahlonega? And we'd be like, where the fuck is Dahlonega? Mm-hmm. Or she'd be like, let's go to the hot springs. And we'd be like, but it's not like the hot springs like, oh, we're going to go. It would be like, um, uh, who was the, was it FDR who was in the wheelchair because he had polio? Yes. It would be like FDR's hot springs, and it would literally be like, this is where the hot springs were. They're not full now, but here's a a small trough of water you can stick your hands in. Mm -hmm. And then I have pictures of me and Blake, like, with our hands in water, like, (laughs) "Ah," then my aunt Sally would be like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) Uh So one time she was visiting us, and she was like, we're going on a day trip. Blake Blake and I were like, what the fuck? You're on our territory now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, we went and the actual thing that was incredible about that trip, because again, we always bitched about them, but we always liked them. I, I didn't actually didn't love the Dahlonega trip, but, um, the Utz Potatoes factory actually uses like really, really high tech machines. So the way that they peel the potatoes, it puts it through this machine that sort of like bounces them along and it sort of scrapes off just the edges of it. And I think that they lose mass something like 2% of the potato or less than 5% of the potato. And when you're peeling it with like a knife, like even, or even like a peeler, you're losing like 10 to 15 to even 20% of the potato. Mm -hmm. So they've gotten it to the point where they're really almost like sanding off the skin of the potato, which is like incredible. Cool. And then the way that they slice them, um, it like has these lights that flash so that they know that they have like really thin ones. Mm. There's also some of the companies that make potato chips actually sell. Cause like a really coveted potato chip is the one that's folded over when it fried. Mm-hmm. And there are some of these companies that will actually sell bags only of the folded over ones. Wow. They're harder to find, but if you go to like either a really specific market or, like, if you visit the factory, you can get them there. Hmm. Um, Any more to say about the snack belt? I think that's the main thing about the snack belt. Does that bring us from food to perhaps language? Oh, I wish it did. But there are two more things I have to talk to talk about food. Oh, do tell. The first is my favorite kind of ice cream, which is called tea berry ice cream. Oh. Three things, actually. I'm sorry. There are three things. Okay. Tea berry ice cream. Have you ever had tea berry ice cream? Did you ever run across that in Pennsylvania? I don't think so. Sounds familiar, but I don't think I've had it. The tea berry is a red berry that is grown on the wintergreen. It's not the wintergreen that you're familiar with, but it's like Mm -hmm. a version of the wintergreen plant. It's in the wintergreen family. Sure. I hate that this is the thing that I have to compare it to, but it is very similar to the flavor and color of pepto bismol mm-hmm. um but tea berry ice cream is like nothing else it's minty but because it's from this berry and not from the leaf it's mm-hmm. got this like complex sort of fruitiness to it it's got it's a way more round flavor is the only way i can describe it the like mm-hmm. round doesn't really mean anything and it's also just like the most beautiful pink like it's not that like vicious magenta that i described the red beet eggs as it's Mm -hmm. just it's like not a pastel but it's just this like lush 
just like want to take a nap in it pink. Mm-hmm. And you can only get it in like central Pennsylvania. So you mm. can get, there's a really famous ice cream Murray in Penn state that I don't remember the name of. Cause I don't really know that much about Penn state. Bless them. Um, mm. But you can also get it at three B's in the Harrisburg area, <laughs> which is where I get my tea berry ice cream. Cool. I wanted to talk to you about, I mentioned this last week, pot pie. Yeah. So I, if you would do so much to humor me, could you please tell me what pot pie meant to you before I explained it to you last week? Pot pie is a pie uh, with a gravy uh, inside and various uh, vegetables like mm-hmm. carrots and peas. Yes. And uh, off usually a, a meat uh probably chicken chicken pot mm-hmm. pie probably like chicken pot pie being the most popular got a cr- so, got a crust you know just mm-hmm. like a pie so in pennsylvania in many circles that's called a meat pie mm-hmm. and pot pie is soup mm-hmm. because the idea is that you're taking the elements of a pie mm-hmm. and putting them in a pot Yes. And so you have the carrots, you have the chicken, and then you have broth, and then the, there's noodles in the soup, and the noodles are these very specific rectangles of pie dough, mm. usually that have been dried out. So you can buy this. You can make it yourself, but you can also buy these, like, squares of pie dough. And they're, like, maybe an inch by an inch or an inch and a half by an inch and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those weird... This is one of those things where I'm like, this is so weird. Why does this exist? Everybody knows what pot pie is. <laughs> Why do we have a totally different thing for it? Yeah. And then the last thing I want to bring up is dried corn. And it's because I have this very specific anecdote about dried corn. So every year, my grandfather would make dried, and my grandmother would make dried corn at Thanksgiving. And it was gross. Basically, it was this corn that was dried. They got it in a specific place. It was a specific brand. They put it in a crock pot with water and they let it sit for a long fucking time. And then they would like finish it off with like a little bit of butter and cream. Mush. Disgusting. I hated it. My first year of grad school, I was in a folklore class that was taught by Peggy Yoakum, an amazing woman, a delight. Who is uh, there an it, ice cream truck going by? Yeah, there is somewhere. I can't see it, though. Okay. The ice cream truck has finally started coming actually into this neighborhood, and I caught it the other day. Oh, and I got catcalled. Oh. So I heard... I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you. I I heard the ice cream truck, and there's many places that I could hear the ice cream truck. The problem being that I have this other, like, second half of my neighborhood that's on the other side of a creek. And I was, like, running all the fuck around the neighborhood trying to find this ice cream truck because I had heard it for days, but I'd never seen it. This was recently? This was like two weeks ago. Okay. And because in the past, the ice cream truck has only gone to the neighborhood that's over there, that's townhouses, and Mm -hmm. it's never actually come to the apartment complex. And I can't get to that neighborhood because there's like a fence. Okay. And so I'm running the fuck around and there's a dude on a balcony and I hear him yell something. And then he called me, you're a little churro, aren't you? Ooh. Which I was like, I'm pretending like, anytime, I, part of the reason I'm not bothered by this at this moment, clearly catcalling is fucked up and you shouldn't do it from a balcony or at any point. I am essentially never catcalled to the point that if someone 
If I were dumber, I would say, people don't catcall people. It's not so bad. Uh, I also felt relatively safe because I was in my neighborhood. I knew where I was going. And also this dude was on a balcony. So I knew that there was no way that he could get to me quickly because <laughs> he was on well, the third floor balcony. There's one way, but he, he might not get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Um, but that said, to be called a little churro. Yeah. Was the strangest thing. Better than a cheap date. I, yeah, better than a cheap date. I am a white lady. Yep. I am also not uh, tan. I don't appear to be covered in cinnamon sugar. No. I don't understand where little churro came from. <laughs> just, a, just a favorite treat, maybe. And in another context, might be a very endearing mm-hmm. term. Yeah. But, I mean, I just want to say, as we know, catcalling's fucked up, it's abusive, it's harassment, don't do it. I was very lucky that I was not bothered and amused by the way I was catcalled the other day. <laughs> Ice cream truck in the time of COVID seems uh, odd and is out of place. That's that's just... I think it makes a lot of sense, because people aren't going out. And the things that are sold, at least in most of the ice cream trucks that I've... I've encountered a couple of ice cream trucks that were not this way, but most of the ice cream trucks I've encountered in my life, and if I see an ice cream truck, I do my best to encounter it, is been novelties that are prepackaged. Yeah, I can understand why it would be appropriate for the circumstances, but at the same time, I can't shake the thought that it's just... that, That there's danger in like a in like roaming food service (laughs) (laughs) i i guess like the other thing i know is that like i read something not read something like randomly i was reading like questionnaires where it's like we ask like here's like the answers to your questions about coronavirus and one of the places was like is it really safe to get takeout and they talked to this scientist person that was basically like Pretty much yes. Like mm-hmm. you still have to take some precautions. Like try to do a contactless delivery. Yeah. And um, it's best if you can take your food out of you know once you get your food, move it into different containers and then wash your hands. Mm-hmm. But what they were saying was that the coronavirus really does grow in your respiratory system, and if it goes into your stomach, your stomach acid's just going to kill it. Mm-hmm. So somebody could sneeze directly onto like an ice cream cone. And as long as you didn't snort the ice cream cone, mm. or like you weren't near them when they were sneezing, yeah. where it was in the air, <laughs> you would be fine. It still just sounds like the COVID truck is coming to town. <laughs> but I, I take I take your point. That's fair. So what's the end of your dried corn anecdote? So in this class, we covered like, it was sort of like an intro to folklore. So we covered things like, uh, like memorials and food ways um we read this book about clam bakes and there was one class that one of the things we did was we read a paper that peggy had written about dried corn and um her father had this very specific um like not appliance but like thing that he used to make dried corn which i'll explain in a second and i was in this class and before class started i always sit in the front and i said uh I read where I saw I read on the syllabus that we're talking about dried corn today, and I just want to let you know that it's gross. And she was like, "You know what dried corn is?" I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> and she was like, 
I have been teaching for 40 years. I am retiring this year. And you are the first student I have ever met in my life who knew what dried corn was. Like, that's how... And we're in Virginia. You know, we're all of two hours away from Pennsylvania, if that. And that's that's part of what I mean when I say, like, Pennsylvania is incredibly, like, weirdly specific and insula- insular. Mm-hmm. Um, so this machine that he had to make this dried corn was he would... Well, first off, he would take the corn... He would cut down the center. He would cut down the center of each of the rows of kernels, like um, like long ways, so that they were split in half, half from like top to bottom. Yeah. And then he would cut down the husk or down the cob to cut off the top, and then he would do it again to cut off the bottom, so that they were quartered essentially. And then he had this this thing. It was metal. And it covered all four burners. It was sort of like um, a very large, like, metal cake pan that covered all four burners. And he would put water into it. And then there was a large, like, cookie sheet almost that fit on the top that was rimmed. And he would put the corn in that. And then he would put all of the burners on, like, as low as possible and cook it for, like, 12 hours or something. Like, maybe even longer where he was, like, sometimes, I think, staying up at night and, like, every few hours, like, turning it. And that's how you make dried corn. And it got, she said it got to the point where his thing that he had rusted through, and she had to, like, find, like, a metal smith to make him a new one, because, like, you can't buy them. Yikes. So that's very specific to Pennsylvania, dried corn. Okay, language. Susquehanna has... So much, or not Susquehanna, Pennsylvania has so much weird fucking language. Like, there are multiple lists of just, like, weird things that people say in Pennsylvania. Um, One of the ones that is very specific to me in Harrisburg is Slippy. Have you ever heard me say that? Um, uh, Like, instead of slippery? Yeah. Sure. So, like, if it's icy out or, like, you know, it rained a little bit and there's a bit of freezing rain on the ground or... Uh, so it's now it's gotten a little bit slick. I'll be like, ah, oh, it's so slippy out here. And I had zero idea that this was grammatically incorrect until Kenny corrected me in college. Okay. And when he did correct me, I didn't even hear it. Like, mm. I was like, ah, oh, it's so slippy out. He was like, slippery. I was like, yeah, that's what I said. He was like, no, it's not. <laughs> you said slippy. Um... There's also the whole fact that, like, we don't have y'all in Pennsylvania, but depending on where you are, you might say yins. Yep. So if you're in Pittsburgh, you'll say, how yins doing? If you're in northeastern Pennsylvania, you'll just say, how, how yous doing? Yeah. If you go to the bar, you mentioned yingling. Yep. Uh, nobody calls it yingling. If you're in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania, you say, give me a lager. And they, you, they know you mean Yingling. There's no other logger except for Yingling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also other weird things like I was, I was at my house once. My friend Abby Back came to visit, and Abby said, "I have a question for you." She was dating this guy. She's not dating anymore, and she was like, "So he was there, and so was Kenny." And she said, "If I was looking at this TV." And the picture was only showing up, like, sort of in the center. Like, it didn't go the whole way to the edges. 
And I said to you, is that all the bigger it gets? Would that be weird to you? And I was like, no, why? And Kenny and this dude were both like, oh my God, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And I still can't tell you what's wrong about that. Can you tell me, somebody who knows about language? Is that all the bigger it gets? Yes. I mean, there's there's a fine distinction when it comes to a, 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 a phrase or a sentence that that uh, where, where the the meaning is perfectly clear mm-hmm. despite uh, the, the, the 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 words together being nonsense <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I under, I understand what the question is. <laughs> But yeah. all the bigger it gets uh-huh. is like something only the big bad wolf might say. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so there's also, um, if you wanted, let's say... Um, Let's say you got dropped off. Let's say you and I are dating. We're in northeastern Pennsylvania. You get dropped off by um, a friend after being at the bar. And I'm like, are you drunk? And you're like, no. And I'm like, how many beers did you have? You might say, ah, just a couple two tree. Okay. <laughs> Which means several. Uh-huh. You are drunk in sure. this scenario. <laughs> yeah. But you don't say like several or a lot. You say, ah, I just had a couple two tree. Um, if you were to eat a sandwich, this is going back to food slightly. If you were to go back a, to eat a sandwich on a long roll, maybe... 12 inches long. Yeah. And it was cold cuts. Mm-hmm. What would you call that? I might call it a sub or I might call it a hoagie. Hoagie is the word. Yeah. So hoagie is actually very specific to Pennsylvania. Mm. I was looking this up recently and it has to do with, I mean, it's 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 not racist exactly, but <laughs> it good, has to do with the. To start anything. <laughs> It has to do with the Italian workers who ate these sorts of sandwiches at this one pier that was like the Hoag something pier. Mm. Um, But Hoagie is very specific, specifically to Philadelphia. What about... uh, What about grinders? Grinders. That's a good question. Is that Pennsylvania or is that somewhere else? I want to say that it is... If it's not Pennsylvania, it's nearby. Hoagies and um, grinders, hoagies and grinders. Let's see what this website says. I absolutely have heard of people refer to sandwiches as grinders in Pennsylvania. Um, navy beans, navy beans. 
Okay, so I guess it's, like, more more often talked about in New York and New Jersey, which I think it's also, like, worthwhile to mention that there's, like, a lot of stuff that um, has sort of bled over between, like, Philly and South Jersey and then also, like, New York and – New York, North Jersey and, like, Nepa. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like – Partially because, like, a lot of people move back and forth between there. Mm-hmm. So, like, Kenny's parents are from Jersey. Yep. And, um, but from the part of Jersey where it's, like, a 20-minute bus ride into New York and they worked in New York and, like, Kenny's grandpa was an electrician in the union in New York and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think his great-grandfather was a lamplighter in New York City. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, like, this very, like, I've been to two weddings one of which was in Pennsylvania and one of which was in New Jersey, where I was at the – these were weddings that had 250 to 300 people attending them. Mm-hmm. And I got to the church and I was like, Catholic weddings, I was like, there are not enough seats here. And it's because it's a perfectly common and perfectly normal practice to not go to the actual wedding and to only go to the reception. Mm-hmm. So the one wedding I went to that was in Pennsylvania, there were 250 people at the reception, and there were maybe 50 people at the wedding. Uh-huh. Which is particularly wild to me, because it's they were both Catholic weddings, where hypothetically, the wedding itself is the most important part. <laughs> yeah, but who wants to go to church when you've already been to Mass for the week? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, are you, uh, not familiar with the Adam Sandler song, Lunch Lady Land? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. There's a part of that song where he sings, hoagies and grinders, hoagies and grinders, (laughs) navy beans, navy beans, navy beans. Yeah, I did not know what you were referring to when you said that. That's why I thought of grinders when you brought up hoagies. It's also, the other thing that is very important to mention about uh, Philadelphia is uh, cheesesteaks, which is, you know, a a sort of sandwich on a long roll made of very thinly sliced beef that's cooked um, on like a griddle and broken up and then served um, with onions, usually, um, sometimes with peppers. More rarely with mushrooms, sometimes with hot peppers. Um, I prefer it with a provolone or a Swiss, which is common, but hypothetically, the most traditional is with cheese whiz, which is gross. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, in um, Pittsburgh, there's the Permonti Brothers, which has a sandwich that has french fries on it. As all the best sandwiches do. Yes. Um, Something we talked about with Dana was, uh, in terms of language, is in northeastern Pennsylvania specifically, they say, uh, jeet yet? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, did you eat yet? Yep. But it's one word. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Something else that's weird that we do is we um, allied the to be in a lot of phrases. So, uh, for example, if I was picking up clothes off the floor, I might say, hey, does this needs, wa- uh, th- this needs washed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I said something like this to Claire the one day and she looked at, I mean, it was like the most benign thing I said. I forget what it was. And she looked at me just like, what are you talking about? And I was like, because it's like, they're perfectly normal words, right? Needs washed. Neither of those words are strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, let's say you were to get eggs that the yolk was uncooked in. Like fried eggs that the yolk was uncooked. Mm-hmm. How would you describe that? I'm I'm not very good at remembering egg preparations, but is that sunny side up? So it could be sunny side up. It could also be over easy. Oh, okay. Um, sunny side up means that you haven't flipped it at all. Over over easy means that you've flipped it once. Um, but either one of those is called dippy eggs. Yeah. Because you dip. Mm-hmm your toast in the yolk and then there's this incredibly specific word which is specific to philadelphia it absolutely has bled into other parts so we said this all the time in harrisburg um kathy was very familiar with it in south jersey are you familiar with the word john uh only kind of, only not 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 enough to define it well don't worry because a john is everything mm-hmm. j n j a w n is a word specific to philadelphia which is an all-purpose noun i'm going to read some from this article which we'll put in the show notes the word john is unlike any other english word which is again Pennsylvania has come up with something so specific that there's nothing else like it in all of English. In fact, according to the experts I spoke to, it's unlike any other word in any other language. It's an all-purpose noun, a stand-in for inanimate objects, abstract concepts, events, places, individual people, and groups of people. It is completely acceptable. It is a completely acceptable statement in Philadelphia to ask someone to remember to bring that John to the John. It is a word without boundaries or limits. Growing up in the suburbs just west of the city, I heard it mostly refer to objects and events. In the 2015 movie Creed, a character asks a sandwich maker to put some onions on that John, but it can get more complex. It can refer to abstract nouns and theories. A collection a colleague of Jones routinely refers to Marxist John. It can also refer to groups of people. Side John, meaning someone with whom the speaker cheats with his significant other, is a uniquely Philly thing as far as I can tell and not something you want to be. Sounds judgmental. John can be singular, pass me the John. It can be plural in a couple of different ways. John's is fine, but you can also modify John elsewhere. You can say John's, but more often it's going to be, where'd you get them John? Mm Mm-hmm. I love the word John. It's incredible. It's so fun. It's so fun to hear people use it. And people so often, people know that it's so ridiculous. And so they use it as a, like they say it as a joke a lot of the times too. Hilarious. Um, to the point also, like this is like an article where this person talked to a bunch of linguists. But my friend John Toon in high school wrote a whole um essay on the word john and how multi-purpose it was in different ways that you could use it in high school could even be a first name i think he actually brought that up in the essay (laughs) and then the other uh main 
language thing is uh, not specific. Is one of the ones that I learned from northeastern Pennsylvania, which is uh, "hena," which means "ain't it" or mm-hmm. "isn't it." Mm-hmm. It where people in northeastern Pennsylvania said in northeastern Pennsylvania they just say things so quick. They just started saying "ain't it" so fast that it just became "hena." So like uh, a beautiful night out, "hena." Hain it. Hannah? Hain it. And it's spelled H-A... I've seen two spellings, but the main spelling I saw of it was H-A-I-N-N-A. Mm-hmm. Where I saw it and I, I said to Kenny, like, tell me how you say this again. There's a whole um, very poorly made parody video of different Northeastern Pennsylvania... Um, uh, language that I'll I'll link in the show notes. Uh, but they call it, and we've seen this when we were looking this up earlier. Ooh, my headphones just came out of my ears. They, it's called by more than one people, Hainabonics, because with Haina being sort of the keystone of this entire set, this entire dialect that's specific to northeastern Pennsylvania. Hmm. Okay, so we are at one forty-four. I'm going to do a speed round. Okay. Um, things that Pennsylvania has that's like very specific. We have like I, I mentioned Pennsylvania steel. We also have all of these furnaces throughout the state which have been abandoned to the point that a co-worker of Sarah of devotee of the uh, pod Sarah's uh, her co-worker wrote a book called Pennsylvania Furnace that's about a lot of these different furnaces and didn't even mention Pine Grove Furnace which is the furnace I'm familiar with Uh. Pennsylvania also gets to claim the office in Scranton. Mm-hmm. We also have Hershey, Pennsylvania, the sweetest place on earth, uh, where until very recently the chocolate was actually produced in the factory. Um, most of it has been outsourced at this point because of capitalism. Oh, how sad. <laughs> I know, the worst. We also have a whole... Um, oh, what's the word I want to use? rivalry between like i don't even know what to call them i think of them as gas stations but i guess they're not always gas stations the wawa sheets rivalry yeah they are uh like convenience stores convenience store is the word i'm looking for yeah both of these are like sort of i I say high end in the sense that they're like pretty elaborate convenience stores where you can get not just cigarettes and candies and sodas but also like made to order yes. sandwiches right. and you can get hot um, food made hot to order food, coffee yeah um some of the sheets in Pennsylvania because we didn't even get to talk about Pennsylvania's weird ass liquor laws that are the worst um but some of the sheets you can actually buy six packs of beer which is like you basically can't buy six packs of beer in Pennsylvania you pretty much have to buy if you're buying beer you're buying a case of beer like you cannot in most circumstances, there are a couple of restaurants now that you can get six packs from. You would never just like pick up a six pack. If you're getting beer, you are getting 24 beers. Mm-hmm. Um, do I prefer Sheets? Of course I do. So Sheets is, uh, the original Sheets is in um, Altoona, Pennsylvania, I believe. It is not Altoona, it's Holidaysburg, which is um, right next to Altoona. And the original um, Wawa, or at least the headquarters of Wawa, is outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, Altoona, I was correct. Um, And there's like a 
a very small section where these two things overlap. And they aren't all in Pennsylvania, but they're both based out of Pennsylvania. And in this small section where these two convenience stores overlap, it is like people are like die hard for both of them. Mm-hmm. You, you can't like both. Right. I prefer sheets. <laughs> sheets with a Z. Yep. We also have my favorite thing, which is the Pennsylvania Farm Show. Do you know about the Pennsylvania Farm Show? I'm sure I've mentioned it to you before. Sure, no? you, I'm sure you have. So every there are plenty of other states that have state fairs, yeah. and it's like a big thing, and it's in the summer usually. Pennsylvania was like, fuck that. We're going to have a state fair, but it's going to be in January. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everyone was like, how will you do it? It's cold in January. You can't have that at a fairgrounds. And they're like, we'll build a complex. Mm-hmm. So in Harrisburg, we have the Farm Show Complex, mm-hmm. which was built specifically for the Farm Show, which is one week out of the year. <laughs> Pretty cool. They expanded it in my lifetime, but the Farm Show has been going on since 1917. Wow. And it's got, uh, I've got some facts here that I can read to you. Um, it's basically, it's also, I think, one of the beautiful things. We haven't talked about the diversity of Pennsylvania. Clearly, Pennsylvania has a lot of white people in it. Um, but it also has a huge amount of diversity. So, like, my elementary school, for example, spoke 23 different languages. But, that said, the rural areas are still largely white. And so, when you have the farm show, which is literally in, like, um, like the middle of the city of Harrisburg, you end up having days where you go to the farm show and, like, everybody who's visiting is, like, lily white and everybody else wandering around is not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorite things. Um, So the farm show has 6,000 animals that people show, 10,000 competitive exhibits every year, 300 commercial exhibits, and it takes... It has a rodeo, it has tractor square dancing it has some of my favorite foods like potato donuts these like perfect warm soft potato donuts and just the most perfect milkshake i've ever had in my entire life Mm. um by the pennsylvania dairymen's association (laughs) i love a milkshake and and it takes place in january for some reason (laughs) my birth so you go you get to see animals poop. That's always a highlight. You get to see chickens with weird heads. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a sheep to shawl competition every year. Mm. It's incredible. Hearing about this reminded me of uh, Kim, who grew up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. The uh, number of times that I have heard her sing the commercial jingle. Come to the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we do. Do you know, it took me so long to realize that there were other Renaissance Fairs that weren't just the Pennsylvania one. Sure. Um, And yeah, the Pennsylvania Farm Show sort of feels like the, like, keynote of Pennsylvania. It's like, Mm. it sort of represents everything that Pennsylvania is to me. A bunch of weird stuff in a big thing that we made specifically for this one event and then this like diversity of people and then like very delicious food. Mm. 
So I'm going to end with one of my favorite things, which is um, Pennsylvania has like also has a bunch of state symbols. So there are, are plenty of other states that have state symbols. It When I've looked this up before, it feels like Pennsylvania has the most. Because, for example, not every state has a state drink, but Pennsylvania does, and it's milk. Yep. Uh, Kentucky has a state drink. Can you guess what Kentucky's state drink is? The mint julep? Uh, bourbon. Ah. So you weren't wrong, but uh, not that specific. Um, and these are things that we learned about in 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 the fourth grade. So the state model is mo- motto: virtue, li- liberty, and independence. Um, the state bird is the ruffed grouse. Shouldn't shouldn't these things be the Commonwealth bird and the Commonwealth drink? I think that and they're the Commonwealth using the word- motto. I believe that they're using, I'm looking at this Pennsylvania website, and it does say Commonwealth of Pennsylvania at the top. I believe they're using the terminology state to be in line with the other states that are in the United States. Mm. Um, the state bird is the ruffed grouse, as I said, which is a very weird little bird um, that I think my mom hit with her car the one day that I thought was ruffled until very recently. And my brother was like, what do you think it has frills? <laughs> I'm looking at a list of U.S. state beverages. Mm-hmm. Um, there are 28 states uh, that have them. Mm-hmm. Um, each one has a year listed on the Wikipedia, which is, I assume, the year that it was inaugurated, if that's the yeah. right word. Yeah, sure. Arizona is one of the states. Ooh. The beverage is lemonade. And the year... <laughs> And the year is last year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. As of 2019. You have a state drink now. This is not on this list, but I do know that the state cookie of Pennsylvania is the chocolate chip. The state tree is the eastern hemlock. The state flower is the mountain laurel. The state fish is the brook trout. The state insect is the firefly. And we also have a state amphibian. Do you know what the state amphibian is? Kermit the Frog. It's the Eastern Hellbender, which is the scariest thing. <laughs> it's the largest salamander in North America, and it is huge. Can you take a moment to look up the Eastern Hellbender? Yeah, I just need to pull myself away from this list of state beverages. <laughs> the, the vast majority of which are are milk yeah it's mostly milk mostly milk is the state beverage yeah and rhode island's is coffee milk yes Uh uh-huh okay uh so okay uh, what's the name of the thing i'm looking up it's called the eastern hellbender eastern hellbender it is a trip to see this thing oh yeah okay can you describe what you're looking at? Um, I mean, it is sort of like an H.R. Giger a drawing come to life. Uh, it's got a big wide head. Mm-hmm. And then a long sort of sperm-like lizard body <laughs> with just itty-bitty little legs coming off of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it looks rather uh, prehistoric. Yeah, it's like horrifying. It's it's cool as hell. Yeah, 
probably um, how it got the name, I guess. And then I, I'm i going to list this thing. These are the state inventions, and I just, I can't say, I can't explain them because there's no further information. I cannot say that this is true, but it is on the Pennsylvania website, and I thought that it was a good way to end because this list is very smug because it says very general things and provides no explanation. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Yeah, please. It says... As the birthplace of our nation. Oh, because don't forget, the capital was very briefly in Philadelphia. Of course. Pennsylvania is home to countless firsts. In addition to the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution, we are the birthplace of the first hospital, Hmm. university, stock exchange, lending library, lightning rod, roller coaster, revolving doors, Movie theater, Jeep, bubblegum, commercial radio station, banana split, superhighway, little league baseball, slinky, and smiley face emoticon. That's a weird one. <laughs> Ending on that. That's that's very strange. Also the first university it makes it sound like it was the first ever <laughs> yeah they, these are all the country's first if i'm not yeah. mistaken yes if i, I think understand that's what they're saying yeah so yeah i'm very smug about pennsylvania i love it and mm-hmm. that's why um you'll see this episode is not called pennsylvania oh no no this this episode's called keystone state motherfucker because well. Not that it's not that last part isn't in the name, but okay. Oh, it it is. Uh, the uh, when I was in high school, my ex boyfriend and I, um, because the Keystone State is the um title, I guess, or the nickname. Nickname, yep. Of Pennsylvania, and we made shirts with a Keystone monster on them. He had winged arms. Uh, it was a wingling with- dragon. He was a wingling keystone monster with claws, and he was grasping, I believe, New York and Ohio, and they had cracks. And then he had beefy legs, and he was stomping on Maryland and New Jersey, and New Jersey was flailing a little bit. And the shirts just said, Keystone State, motherfucker! I don't speak any th- about anything from that period of my life with any pride. In in the way that you do so very often. I made money from those shirts. Congratulations. I also made shirts at that time and made money from the shirts. I don't talk about it. (laughs) It was weird. And we also made ones that said PA Proud. And that's my, um, I recreated that one for my um, flag in Animal Crossing. Yes, I've seen it. That looks good. Um. Because my island in Animal Crossing is called Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. Which provides nothing short of delights because it'll be like, here at the Harrisburg airport. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's my episode on Pennsylvania, man. Well done. Um, and I guess we'll see you for a mailbag and then we'll see you next season. Hopefully for Wes Anderson. We, sh- we'll sh- we shall see. Yes. Time will tell. Anything could happen, but whatever it is, I look forward to it. Uh, thank you for uh, bringing it home, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in this uh, season finale. Absolutely. And, uh, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.